Welcome to another episode of Strictly Business, the podcast in which we speak with some of the brightest minds working in media today. I'm Andrew Wallenstein with Variety. Pam Wasserstein ran New York Media independently for the past three and a half years. But going forward, she'll be doing so as part of Vox Media, which merged with her company in November. Pam now finds herself part of a larger operation, and she sat down with me earlier this month at CES to talk about what it all means. One warning before we get started, we recorded the conversation not too far from the trade show floor, so it's not the cleanest audio, but you'll hear our conversation loud and clear. Thanks for coming in, Pam. Thanks. I'm glad to be here. Full disclosure, I actually worked at New York Magazine in the early 1990s as an intern, so it has a very special place in my heart. I love that. So I, it was where I kind of learned to be a journalist, and it, I feel like I have a, a vested interest in where this brand is going. So no pressure. <laughs> but I was I really curious to that. Yeah, yeah, I was curious to hear how the integration is going, um, because I would imagine that's a lot. Of course, it's a lot. Yeah, um, but we're trying to do it um, thoughtfully in a considered manner, um, but also expeditiously as well. So we actually, we announced uh, the merger at the end of September, and the merger didn't close until early November. So we're sitting here now, it's eight weeks or so that we've been a combined company, um, but it really is feeling like a combined company, which is pretty exciting. We How um, so? Well, so we've combined our sales and marketing teams. Um, we've combined our, and so we're here talking with marketers um, at CES as you know one combined offering. Um, we've combined our technology and product teams and our core services. Really, everything um, outside of editorial. What was the rationale for doing this? I mean, you were. You know, we should give some background here. Your family uh, owned this business for about 15 years, and I'm sure throughout that time there's been various times where maybe you thought about combining forces, acquiring something else, getting acquired. What changed? Uh, what changed was the strength of this opportunity. Um, it When I looked at what this combined company could be and started to talk about it with um, Jim Bankoff, the CEO of Vox, it was pretty clear that... Um, we could combined be basically the best modern media company. Um, and that was a really exciting proposition. That was where I think each of us had been heading independently on similar tracks. And so this looked like a way to get there faster and better. But does it also speak to sort of the marketplace and where it is right now? It's it's not easy, uh, particularly on the advertising side, in, in digital in particular. Print is not an easy business. So are market conditions just as responsible for sort of pushing you towards this deal? Well, our, um, we are coming from a position of strength. We've done a lot of work over the last couple of years um, in our company in New York Media to diversify our business, also expand our advertising business. We have an audience um, that's quite attractive and valuable to marketers that's, like, really engaged, that's... Um, you know, addressing their passion points when they come to us. It's um, demographically attractive, and so does Vox. So, you know, our advertising business is growing really well, actually. Um, 
and our entire business just on the New York side grew over 25% this year in revenue. So, um, and that's through both growth in advertising and then diversification in certain areas. So it wasn't so much a pressure, but that said, there is absolutely opportunity and scale. And there are things um, that we can do collectively and offer to the market that we wouldn't individually be able to do quite as well. So can you give an example of that? Well, something like um, using first-party data, for example, if we're targeting in a significant, you know, in a scaled solution kind of a way is an obvious um, example. We can, in the combined um, portfolio of brands, we're covering every um, kind of major um, consumer topical area that's of interest to, um, to audiences and to advertisers. And, you know, so we can really be like one top, one stop shopping for marketers at this point. And is there any areas of duplication brands or coverage areas where you guys have to make some hard decisions? It's insanely complimentary. Like if you just line up our brands, so now we have this portfolio of um, 13 high quality editorial networks. And in terms of even like top topic area, there's very little duplication, you know, um, on the New York side, we have, for example, Vulture and The Cut, right? Um, outside of New York Magazine, our biggest brands. Um, and Vox didn't have a women's site, and Vox didn't have an entertainment site. And, um, you know, the same back on, like, we didn't have a technology brand. We didn't have... So there is some topical duplication. Um, something like Eater and Grub Street, for example, or we obviously both cover politics quite a bit. But even, you know... Where there is topical duplication, we were each um, already had that experience in our individual businesses. Like when Game of Thrones was on, every <laughs> all of our sites were talking about Game of Thrones, for example, or many of our sites are talking about the 2020 election right now. And the um, point of differentiation is that each brand understands itself and its voice and sensibility really well so that... Um, if the cut is talking about 2020 or the cut's talking about Game of Thrones, it's going to feel pretty different from the way that, like, The Verge might be addressing 2020 or in the newer portfolio than, like, Intelligencer would be talking about 2020. So, um, and it's exciting to say that in a merger, there's, there are no layoffs, there's no brand closures. It's really just about growth and opportunity. So no layoffs. No. That's, that's great and unusual. It is. It's and... <laughs> It's nice. Yes. And in instances where, say, like, could we see a, a Grub Street and an Eater now collaborate? Will there be some, like, brand, let's call them alliances? Or Yeah, in, in a couple of different ways. I mean, I should say that the starting point is editorial independence. And um, from each of the pre-merger businesses, like, the editorial teams remain in the same reporting structure that they were. Um, that said, for... Um, advertising partners, first of all, we can start to combine portfolios in interesting ways. So that's a good example of something like um, Polygon, which covers gaming and entertainment, and Vulture, you know, bringing those audiences together, um, I think can be pretty interesting in the entertainment space. Um, and then as far as editorial collaboration is um, concerned, I think though there are incremental opportunities, yeah, that have big moments across mm -hmm. um, pieces of our portfolio. Um, that's something, again, that just in the 
New York, um, in the New York media group, like we already did those kind of big moments where we'll um, take a topic maybe and perhaps there'll be a print experience of it. There will be, you know, the cut will be doing a piece of it and Vulture will be doing a piece of it. So that, that comes pretty naturally to us. Mm-hmm. So in a lot of ways, this is a very seamless fit. I'm curious about culture, though. Does, does Jim Bankoff run a very different business and now you guys got to get used to that? Or how does that work? Um, it is a I, culture. I'd say if we felt that there was not a strong cultural fit here, we would not have done this deal. I think mm-hmm. culture is essential to um, achieving the value in the merger. And so that, that was something that we looked at pretty closely. We, but we also know each other's businesses pretty well. And um, so it was not surprising to mm-hmm. um, dive in a little more deeply and um, confirm what we suspected, which is there is a lot of um, cultural similarity. It's a pretty similar group. And you will continue to oversee the New York piece of this, but is there any other change in responsibility as far as what you have to do going forward? For me, um, I'm so I'm now president of Vox Media, the combined company. Um, You're on the board. On, I'm on the board, um, working on you know strategy for the combined business, um, and then looking especially around consumer revenue opportunities and affiliate e-commerce. Um, and just generally helping to um, make this, you know, what we believe strongly it will be. What does it say about the combined entity's attitude towards print media? Um, how vital is that now for New York? Uh, does it, do, we, do we read a, a com- combination of companies like this as a hedge against maybe a, a limited future, or is it the opposite? And all of a sudden, you know... We're going to see Eater the magazine or something. I think, um, you know, print, New York Magazine in print is a really important touch point for us. But it's at this point one of many ways in which our, you know, journalism and storytelling is consumed. Um, it's a kind of physical way to interact with our with our brand and our voice and it's kind of a, a showcase really for what we do and still in um, at New York like a cover for example or a, a feature can drive national cultural conversation for yeah. days um, so that remains critical um, we you know we believe in it I, it's from a business perspective um, it's not. It, it has not even in the New York Mag context um, at this point. Our business is very much more digital than print. So, like whatever you know, the the digital transformation um, of legacy print businesses. Like we've we've done that, and we're like well past it and into the um, post digital transformation future on the New York brand. So. Um, in that sense, there's not really a difference. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, in in this new world, it's sort of status quo, I think, for print. it's uh, We have no plans to do more print products, um, and but it's, it's an anchor and a powerhouse. Sure. Cool. Um, you also have some plans that are interesting beyond advertising here in Hollywood. Uh, in terms of what you're doing with 
content ideas that are generated from the magazine. Um, talk a bit about, you know, you just uh, signed up with WME for representation. What are the different things you're doing to explore there? We um, had been, for a long time now, um, the IP generated in New York Magazine has been driving, you know, TV and um, film adaptation. Um, Hustlers, for example, is like from Jessica Hustler's work in New York Magazine, The Hustlers That Scores. Um, but, you know, going back to Saturday Night Fever, we have this legacy of like going Hollywood um, with individual feature stories. In the last couple of years, we have equal, first of all, um, gotten more focused on developing and producing as well as just licensing a story. Um, and developing around our brands and our franchises. Um, So one um, benefit of the merger is that Vox has, Vox Media had um, really focused on building a um, studio business. And we, um, with the New York IP, um, have the opportunity and are already like well, well active in leveraging the um, production capabilities at Vox Media Studios to kind of amp up um, our development. So Vox makes shows about Vox your shows. ideas and sells them to the Netflixes of the world. Yeah, and Vox already, by the way, makes shows yes. for Netflix, shows for Hulu, show, really every major streamer, um, Quibi. PBS, HBO, so um, and we also have some projects generating, so it's a really nice synergistic um, opportunity there. And so then could we see... Uh, we're Just to be clear, like, all over. We're really excited about it. <laughs> I, I would imagine. I mean, I would, I would think there's a lot of upside there. It becomes a real new revenue source done correctly. Yeah. And it was nice, you know, it, we were already, again, it's uh, one of the many, many ways in which this is a very, like, complementary and yet, um, complementary and yet, like, like-minded opportunity. So by that, I mean, like, we were already doing this thing and... This accelerates And that. this accelerates it in a significant way. Now, you, you have a brother who is also involved in this part of the business. Talk about what he's doing. So, oh, yeah, um, my brother, Scoop Wasserstein, um, is an independent film and TV producer, and he had been working on developing some projects with us um, and producing, and so he, on the mostly on the scripted side, um, and he's continuing to do that in this new context. So, I mean, it's, it's also nice New York media kind of still remaining kind of a family business, <laughs> you know. Uh, that's great, too. Um, I wanted to ask as well about, you know, sort of taking a broader look at the print or, or print slash digital publishing space, other companies like Condé Nast and Hearst out there. Uh, you know, I'm curious what you see for this broader space. Is there more consolidation on the way uh, or, or are we underestimating what a lot of these companies can do individually? Um, I think that... Uh Magazine media is, you know, at this point, like, we're all, we're media companies, right? And IP companies, brand companies. And the um, opportunity for businesses like those, I think, um, is that they, you've kind of seen this pendulum shift, I think, in the market where a couple years ago, they were kind of like, 
wringing their hands and oh my god, print, blah blah. Um, now actually, there's um, so much demand for high quality content, for trustworthy journalism that um, and you know engaging ideas and audiences that care about something and trust someone that I, I think you're seeing more um, interest and um, like re- respect in a way <laughs> for mm-hmm. um, brands that really mean something to consumers mm-hmm. and that people um, seek out and value. So I, I don't, I'm pretty optimistic in the long term about where um, that that there remain really attractive opportunities for um, for companies that basically own um, high quality content. But what does it mean in the short term? Where in the marketplace it looks like there isn't enough oxygen for the the digital advertising business uh, at a time where you know the bigger companies are, are taking that revenue away. Well, I think what I'm talking about is in part um, both a point around advertising, which is that um, brands with scale that consumers really care about can offer something different for advertisers with expertise in content creation and curation and storytelling can offer um, can offer things to marketers that like platforms can't um, and at the same time um, I do think businesses we certainly I was on a um, strategy intentional strategy of investing in business diversification I think if you have a core asset that's like this engaged audience and this um, editorial perspective there's that that absolutely has potential as an advertising business advertising driven business but it's not exclusively an advertising business mm-hmm. like you can um, ask your audience to pay to support what you do um, more and more people are and it's not to say that like everyone every subscription business that launches is going to be successful but but some will be you know and um, a couple I mean to take Condé Nast like the New Yorker's subscription business is now reportedly sort of a, a real star of the Condé Nast portfolio, whereas a couple of years ago, um, it was had maybe less opportunity in advertising and was considered, um, from the business perspective, less of a focus, perhaps. So, you know, you do see the shifts as people are figuring out um, where opportunities lie in addition to advertising. Are there additional subscription opportunities beyond, say, you know, what people pay for a print magazine? Is there, are you guys exploring ways to get more money I mean yeah I, I guess, well we should right um, and we so in New York we launched a digital subscription as I said about a year ago um, that's really a first um, essential and important first step but a first step in um, working toward a, a kind of multi-pronged consumer revenue strategy um, okay um I'm also wondering, like, you know, could there have been an alternate universe where you guys would have stayed independent? Would we see a company that would have had to have changed 
radically in some way, shape, or form? Could you have kept going in, in the way that you were? Um, yes, absolutely. And But I think that is because we have radically transformed our business. So, mm-hmm. like, I was already very much on the other side of not only, I guess I said earlier, digital transformation, mm-hmm. but it's not just that. It's um, like a business model transformation right. and a revenue transformation. Um, you know, we've taken our business from like 85% advertising a couple of years ago to this year's more like um, 60% advertising um, with substantial growth in revenue across the board as well. So we would have, um, and we're, as I said, like making additional steps toward new lines of revenue that I think have potential to be quite significant, like, for example, um, television and film. So we, in this um, combined business, we are supercharging and accelerating those steps. But, like, in the alternate universe independent land, um, I think we would have continued on a path of um, thoughtful and organic um, diversification as well as, you know, obviously growth. And the flip side of that question is, you know, could we see perhaps Vox in New York continue to bring in more scale, more brands, more companies? Uh, is that something that could be in the offing? Absolutely. Yeah. And um, I think that we um, will approach acquisition opportunities in a um, thoughtful and deliberate way. We're not interested in scale for the sake of scale. Um, we have a scaled business that kind of already provides the solutions that one would want from scale. So um, it would have to be more than that. It would have to be a cultural fit um, and probably accelerating something that we're already trying to achieve strategically. Um, okay. Either And not necessarily, by the way, potentially in content, but potentially on the technology side um, where we you know, have a, a um, publisher services business where we license our technology platform to um, third parties. You're out there potentially to buy, but are, is there still a capacity to build new brands? Because New York Magazine's actually done that very well in recent years. Thank you. Um, and I should mention, we, you know, the strategist we haven't really talked about specifically, but that's our um, product recommendation site that we launched three years ago and mm-hmm. has been a nice um, contributor, again, to a revenue diversification model because the business there is built around affiliate e-commerce. Um, yeah, I, I think we will never, like, lose that muscle of kind of taking something that, just to use the strategy as an example, um, okay, we thought we'd have a business opportunity in that area. We started to, like, test and learn the kind of content that might live in a new brand um, around our existing portfolio. Um, in other cases where we've launched a brand, we've done tests in a different way, maybe as, like, um, an advertising-supported pop-up, for example, um, that we, like, try very hard to sell because it's a thing that we just, like, want to get funded and test, you know, really play with. Um, So I know immediate plans to launch a new brand. Um, We're still, you know, 
acclimating to our world of like 13 editorial brands that we're currently publishing all of a sudden. Um, but but I, we have that muscle memory for sure and capability. Is it possible that we'll see the existence Will we feel Vox Media in the pages of New York Magazine, or is that that's its own separate world, and Vox can continue to do its thing digitally? It's its own separate world. Um, at the same time, I think there's a lot of respect and admiration on all sides um, of the, you know, among the journalists um, working across the business and. People are looking for opportunities to collaborate, um, so we'll see what that looks. And by the way, that can be potentially in magazine. It can be potentially around like podcasts. We collectively um, have a podcast network with 200 podcasts right now, um, including a bunch of you know really like market leading um, series. So. Yeah, there are a lot of ways that um, collaboration can happen. I think it will. But You mentioned the strategist and its commerce-driven content. I mean, that's obviously a sort of a hot trend right now. Is that something we could see more of outside of the strategist and other brands? Is that a mandate for you? It's something I'm looking at closely, for sure. Um, in the, the Vox, pre-merger Vox Media portfolio, um, the Verge, in particular, does you know does reviews and does um, um, gets really you know authoritative around an event like Prime Day or Black Friday, and it's it, there's um, I think a deep expertise there as there is in product in different ways in um, everywhere from like SB Nation on the sports side to um, curbed and home decor and. So just being thoughtful around none of those um, properties are going to like change into a product recommendation site. They have other missions, but to the extent that, um, you know, talking about products, recommending products, um, helping their audiences navigate um, things to buy and things to do um, is is part of their mission then we can take the uh learnings from the strategist where you know just for context this year we will have driven in sorry 2019 um we drove something like 200 million dollars of um you know revenue for um products that we recommended so it's you know it's a substantial business where we have now a lot of data about like what works and what doesn't, and we're able to take that information um, to make the strategist better, but also bring it yeah across all the networks. By the way, we're also able to take that information and bring our learnings to our advertising partners too, because you know even at this point like brand marketing is also performance marketing, right? Like you need, and so to the extent that we have this um, proprietary information around where commerce and content are intersecting and how that can work really well, um, we can share that with partners. Okay. Well, it sounds like 2020 is going to be a real transition for you, um, but wish you the best with that. And thanks for coming in today and talking. I appreciate it. Thanks for everything. 
This has been another episode of Strictly Business. Tune in next week for another helping of scintillating conversation with media movers and shakers. And please make sure you subscribe to the podcast to hear future episodes. Also, leave a review in Apple Podcasts. Let us know how we're doing. 